big welcome to you out there and uh, a big, big welcome to Margaret Parsons. Uh, I'm so excited to hear about your thing today. It's, uh, it's very exciting and uh, please introduce yourself and tell us a little about how you get got where you are now. Sure, sure. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the opportunity to share with more people about what I do. Um, so my name is Margaret Parsons. I'm a certified equine sports massage therapist. Sometimes you will see that represented at, as CESMT. Um, a lot of people ask me what I'm saying yeah. when I type that out. So that's what it is. It's a certified equine sports massage therapist. I have a um, a slew of other certifications that I kind of got into after this point, um, after jumping into massage. It's a rabbit hole that I will never climb out of, I think. Um, <laughs> but so I actually started riding when I was about five. Um, my family, my mom remarried uh, when I was a teenager and her husband at the time was a standard bred racehorse trainer. So from about the time of junior high forward, um, I was working with high performance standard bred athletes um, and not on a small scale. My stepdad was um, for most of the 90s and definitely part of the 80s. He was um, a top trainer and driver in North America, so Canada and the United States. Um, so we had some very top notch horses um, and it like when I look at it, I'm kind of just blown away because I was, you know, just a junior high kid, but I was allowed to work with some of the best, some of the best horses. I mean, the people are okay, but we all know the horses are better. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I worked with a lot of horses. I saw a lot of injury. Uh, when I was growing up, I also did pony club. So I had this really good foundation of what correct riding looks like biomechanically. Um, we didn't use that term, but now I know that that's what we were talking about. Um, and also how the horse was moving. Um, we did get taught about gates and cadence and things like that. So I felt like I had a really good education. I thought I knew a lot of things. <laughs> um, and then I actually, in probably 2018, I started seeing posts from a on Facebook from a equine massage school. And I was like, that seems interesting. Okay. Followed the page for a while. And one day I saw them post a horse that had been hit by a car. And mm -hmm. this horse's neck was bent 100% the wrong way in a way that I was like, that horse should be put down. What are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, they fixed that horse with massage and chiropractic, straightened its neck right out, became rideable, totally normal. And I was just blown away. <laughs> I mean, it took them a few yeah. weeks. It wasn't even like it was years of rehab and, and stall rest and all the things. It was just a few weeks of wow. massage and chiropractic. And yes, they worked alongside a veterinarian because they had to have x-rays throughout the process to make yeah. sure that as they're making adjustments that you know, there's not bone chips and they're not breaking things, <laughs> hmm. but they did it. And it was, you know, through that story and and that post that made me go, okay, <laughs> if you can fix a broken neck, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't yeah. broken, but to me, no. it yeah. looked <laughs> totally broken. Um, then I need to know what you're doing. I need to, I need to know this. Yes. Um, so I did, I, I took, um, that school's course and it's the best choice I ever made. Um, there are a ton of schools out there. Um, but if you're looking, if you're interested after this call, Midwest Natural Healing for Animals is the school that I attended. Um, and there's just so much information um, that really is, is created who I am and why I do what I do. Um, so going through this process, I remember um, this, this school is 90% online. So, I mean, I did 100% online, but you can choose to do some hands-on classes if you're local. Um, but there are inter international graduates that definitely had to do it the way I did it, which is online hundred yeah. um, percent. And I always remember going through this course and like sending my mom screenshots of like, this causes this. And I'm like, do you remember this horse? Oh my yes. gosh. If we would have known, yes. you know, it, just, it would have changed everything. And it really, it has, it has changed everything in a sense that now these race horses, um, which, uh, you know, 15 years ago, they were in a lot of different situation, the racehorses were very much more coddled and left in stalls and thought that that was okay. They got yeah. some time out on Sundays. 
Um, we all know now that that's ridiculous. <laughs> Some of us knew then that it was not good. Um, and over time, you know, so 15 years or so, they've really changed how they run things. Um, so they're getting daily turnout. They're in the barn for maybe three hours a day, just long enough to get in line for work and get done with work and bathe and go back out. Um, but through that process is they've been making good changes. I've been learning a lot of things. So now I've been able to really step in and be like, Hey, I see this horse is struggling instead of, you know, throwing a tie down on because they need to help balancing, which is crazy and silly. Um, what if I just give them a little massage really quick? You know, um, sometimes I can do really focused work in one area. I can see a restriction, alleviate the restriction and the horse is good. And in a lot of these younger resources, that's a possibility. So, um, you know, being able to see that this horse is just taking short strides here. We just need to, to loosen up these muscles and then send them back out on the track. And sure enough, they're doing their job like it's easy <laughs> because it is, they can use their body, you know? Yes. Um, so yeah, so I, I did a lot of work with at the, at the beginning with these standard breads because, you know, going through a certification, they want you to show that you're learning things yes. on horses. And at the time, that's all I had. So um, I did a lot of work with them. And since then, I've branched out. Luckily, you know, I've uh, talked to the right people, gotten the right places. And I am, I went from doing that on the weekends and working a nine to five because what are you going to do? Got to make money, right? Mm -hmm. um, to switching just last year, uh, quitting my nine to five. I realized that that was crazy. Um, if I did the math, I could do, I could work a lot less often doing massage that I love with animals that I love. Yeah. Um, and you know, actually enjoy my life. So I did that last fall and now I'm full-time uh, massage and helping horses from all disciplines. So jumping, dressage, uh, just eventing in general, barrel racing a little bit here and there. Um, but there are some people that it seems to be harder to convince them that what I do is important. And so that's why I really appreciate being able to come on here and explain that to people. Um, yeah explain the value in massage because so many people think it's just like for you and me, a lot of times we're like, Oh, I'm going to go get a massage. I'm just going to relax for an hour. Yes. Yes. Just relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. But the reality yeah. is, is that when you leave there, part of why you feel so good is because you do have increased mobility. You know, you have less muscle tension in your body. And yes. uh, I think that the, like knowing what I know about horse massage, I'm like, I think the human massage world can be improved. We should be doing more of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you know, in general, we all should anyways, but if we, um, have this constant pain, um, something that nags at us, like we'll go get a massage. And then like next month it's back full force before we get our next massage, get your, get more massages, <laughs> do yeah. them closer together, you know? Yes. Um, so one of the things that I do on that kind of thought process there is, um, for all of my horse clients, when I first start seeing them, we start with three massages in about 10 days. Sometimes we can't schedule it just right and it'll end up being two weeks, but close enough. We just try and get three done in about 10 days because when a horse um, is injured in some way, so say, for example, they get an abscess. Um, and so often we treat the abscess, the abscess passes and we're like, okay, we're good to go. And they resume work. That's so very typical. Um, but the reality is, is that that abscess caused your horse to change how it moved the entirety of the time it was dealing with it from before you noticed, because your horse isn't like, Hey, I can feel an abscess brewing. Can you no. like do something now? <laughs> um, they don't tell you that you well, find out when it gets to the point where they're like, I can't hide this anymore because our horses are prey animals. They don't want to express any vulnerability and no. pain is vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And as a prey animal, that would equal death. That would be like the lion sees me limping. I will be dinner. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so that being said, um, you know, they are containing their pain for as long as they can. Mm -hmm. So before you know that there's an abscess, they're already changing how they move. And it's going to be really minute. And unless you have trained your eye and really stared at all of these animals moving and all of the intricacies of every bend and every joint and length of stride and cadence and all the things, um, you might miss it. And that would be okay. Nobody would blame you. That would be totally fine. You're not trained yeah. to notice. Um, however, in all that time, 
those body movements that they're using as compensation are in fact becoming permanent. It's muscle memory to some extent, right? So, and and they, that's the other thing, you know, muscle memory, we say that all the time, but it's really neurological pathways in your brain, right? Your, your muscles don't have a brain, they don't have a memory, but your brain remembers the pattern. Yeah. And the your the brain also remembers their pain. So they uh, they just end up moving differently from that point forward, unless we come in and we release the tension in the muscles and give them a little bit of time to go, oh, wow, that feels different. I could probably move. Oh yeah, I can. I can move this way again. I can do this again. Uh, and then we come back again and we massage again because usually there was another event before that that they were already compensating for, right? So I like to do three massages so that with each massage, we're taking off this layer of compensation. Um, and yeah, so if your horse has had an abscess, they they do have compensating pains afterwards. They're not ready to jump right back into work. Oh. Um, and, you know, I actually have a personal story for that because, you know, when you <laughs> when you choose to get into something, you start attracting all kinds of situations that are going to make you better. And they're not always pleasant. <laughs> Uh, so last year, um, my horse and I were out in the pasture and I was not wearing boots. Okay. But I, I had shoes, but they just weren't, they weren't hundred percent horse friendly shoes. So this, my error from the beginning, right? This is a lesson to everyone. Wear your boots. Um, we were standing out there and I actually had just stepped away from his hind end. I just put, um, some insect repellent on him. And as I did that, one of my neighbors shot a couple rounds of their gun and that's not a big deal, but it startled him. And when a horse is startled, we all knew they, they kind of jump and they splay their feet. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. His splayed feet <laughs> caught my foot and then he launched forward off of my foot. Mm. Um, it bruised up really bad. There was no broken bones. I mean, there were definitely swear words and lots of tears, but, um, it wasn't broken. So I thought I was, I thought it was going to be okay. I thought I was in the clear. Um, and then about a week later, I started getting really intense pain in my foot and turns out the bruise wasn't dissipating as it should have. So instead it abscessed and <laughs> I was like, what, why? Like, I know why I, I know this is because I talk about horses abscessing and then it means something more in their body. And now my body gets to carry that, um, mm -hmm. So I spent about four months, four months <laughs> recovering from this abscess situation. And I can tell you that during the process, yes, I was sore, but I didn't feel the compensation soreness until the main pain was gone. So then, so I had, this happened on my left foot. Um, so when my foot was actually healed enough that I could put a shoe on for the first time, yeah. um, my whole right side was just super sore because my right side for months had been doing the job of my left yeah. and your horses are doing the same thing. And mm -hmm. you're like, it doesn't take four months to recover from an abscess. No, it doesn't. Um, I got to torture, be tortured by that, uh, by a, a little bit longer than the average horses, but it probably is lasting at least two months, if not longer, because you don't know when it really starts because you're not inside. I can tell you that really before the abscess blew, it was more painful. And I think we all see that in our horse, but what you need to understand is that your horse isn't going to tell you until it is so severe. They're not going to start limping until they can't help themselves. No. So that, that can be brewing for a long time before and affecting the entire body mm. before you discover it. Um, yeah. So that's, that's just one of the things that I have you know, it's like I said, you just attract it. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I didn't want to feel that. But now that I have, I have a different understanding of how they deal with abscesses and, yes. and really how something so small and simple and even dare I say common because they do, they just happen. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty se severe. It's more severe than I ever would have imagined it to be for them, mm. but yeah. it's, it is so. But as you said, it's, it's a good thing that that you felt it on your own body. So, you know, now how the, the horse is feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, <laughs> you know, and, and so speaking of attracting things, um, this is a little bit outside the realm of massage, but not really. So, um, 
if we're all familiar, I'll use the term woo-woo. We're, we're going to delve into the woo a little bit here, um, spiritual energy work and such. Um, one of the other certifications that I got is actually in the emotion code, which is about clearing uh, trapped emotions from the body because emotions are energy and um, we feel them in our bodies. If you are really in tune with your body, you'll be able to associate feeling one emotion and where it's actually located in your body when you feel it. And then like what that sensation is. And if you're, if you're really in tune with your body, you can identify those things. <laughs> um, but, you know, we actually have thousands of trapped emotions in our body from thousands of experiences that we've had throughout our lives. Um, and we even inherit some of those from our, our family, our genetics. Uh, some of those just yeah. come with us. Mm-hmm. Um, we can absorb them from other people. They come from all over the place and there's thousands of them in our body. Mm-hmm. And these trapped emotions actually absolutely do impact your physical body, whether that's with um, actual physical tension and uh, dysfunction in your body, that's totally possible. And it can even manifest as disease. So um, all of the nasty cancers and um, heart disease and lung diseases and all of those kinds of things, any of that can be partially responsible or by these trapped emotions. So when I like that for horses as well. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And that's, so that's why, okay. So yeah, Yeah. most people get certified in the emotion code to help people. (laughs) I'm not a people person. (laughs) I'm a horse person and a dog person and a cat person, but whatever animals, right? So I probably would not have gotten the certification if I did not instantly see the value and what that would do for working with horses. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I went through that certification and, um, you know, I think we're, we're all on a journey in so many different le- levels, yeah. right? You know, whether it's your horse riding journey, your personal journey, your intrapersonal journey, where you're connecting with other people and other animals, other beings, Um, we're all on a journey in all of those different areas. And for me, when I came into the emotion code stuff, um, I was just coming off of really understanding that I control my emotions. My emotions don't control me and, um, getting in tune with them and being able to acknowledge an emotion and not let it rule me. (laughs) So, um, instead of being pissed off and angry for 45 minutes to an hour over something stupid that I have no control of, just acknowledging that I am valid in being angry about that. And that's fine. You know, all of a sudden in this just simple acknowledgement and being like, yeah, most people would be pissed about this. Cool. I'm now not angry. Like I get like just, it just dissipated. I wasn't fighting it anymore. I just accepted it, acknowledged it and boom, it moved on. Um, and I was like, that was cool. And so um, now I'm learning the emotion code and all of the things that go with it. And it was like shortly after that, like learning how to release these emotions uh, on two levels, one energetically with the emotion code and two by validating myself and accepting these emotions and sometimes digging into them a little bit more and, um, you know, finding out the truth of the situations because sometimes they seemed valid until we figured out like, yeah, except for this is your perception of the way things went, that maybe not how they meant that, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about the time when I started realizing that now when I look at a horse, I don't just see this creature that I enjoy spending time with, that we, you know, little nose rubs here and there and share cookies and play together and, you know, sometimes ride and whatever. I just enjoy being around them. Right. It wasn't just that anymore. It was, I could see more of their baggage. I could see, like, I felt like every time I looked at them, I could just see how they were feeling. I could see the stress just radiating off of them. Um, in some cases it was pain. In some cases it was depression. Um, and that changes how you do everything when you start to look at them for more, you know, you have to choose to see more before you will be shown. So, um, you know, being open with my own emotions and really seeing how many emotions are affecting us and how, um, I wanted to see what the horses were really feeling. It was no longer this 
romanticized version, I think that so many of us little girls are like waiting for the pony to come trotting up to your window in the morning with mm. the birds and the squirrels so that we can go out on a picnic and I'll ride bareback through the wilderness and my horse will deliver me safely to a picnicking space. You know, um, <laughs> we all thought it at one time, you know, we've all had the dream, mm. <laughs> um, you, you know, but at, you know, at that point it was like, I could see so much more and I wanted to, because I wanted to alleviate that for them. Um, and that's really opened up everything now that I have so many tools, right? So I learned the emotion code shortly after getting certified with massage, um, and now having massage and learning about red lights and how easy those are. So like if you're a horse person and, um, you're interested in helping your horse relieve tension and pain, a red light is a super easy way to do that. Um, you know, so the one that I have is just like a little flashlight and it was $140 American. So it was relatively cheap when you're talking about things to help your horses with. And quite frankly, the only place that you can point it and do damage is right in your horse's eyeball. And I think most of us are smart enough to not shine bright lights into our horse's eyeballs. So yeah. I feel quite confident that you can use this in any way. Like, um, you just feel, a, you just feel like, you know what? I feel like my horse's shoulder is a little tense. Just point it at it. And, and beyond that, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to have all of this knowledge that I have. Um, I like to tell people all the time that, you know your horse better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. So if you have this feeling and this or this thought just pops in your head, like my horse's shoulder just seems a little tight. Yes, you are right. It mm -hmm. is your intuition. It is you being connected to that animal. Sometimes it's that your eyes are seeing it and your brain doesn't completely comprehend it, but your gut says that's the shoulder problem. And that's okay. Like, you don't have to know why <laughs> my job is to know why and to yeah. translate why, but you as a horse owner, if you just feel like this is tight, this is tense, um, get yourself a red light. <laughs> that's the safest thing. You know, everybody's on about these massage guns and these, uh, I think they're rather invasive machines. Um, and I'm not going to knock them, but I will say you're more likely to do damage with them if you don't know what you're doing. Whereas a little red light it's, you wouldn't believe it. Um, I was super skeptical when I started using it. I got it to take the certification course because even though I was skeptical, I watched someone use it on a horse and I watched that horse change as soon as the light came on. Hmm. And I was like, that's crazy, but I'm in, it's only $140 for the light. I'm willing to try this. Yeah. Um, and I got it and I shined it on my hand and I was like, not impressed. Nothing happened. Uh, and then I used it on a horse that I was massaging that was really tight throughout his entire body. And um, he was not responding to me like at all. Like he was just so stoic, just standing there, not looking at me, not paying attention to anything my hands are doing. And his whole body was just like rock hard. And I had my light with me and I was like, well, might as well try it. You know, supposedly this is going to do something amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and I was amazed because I clicked it on. And within just a few seconds, he turned his head and looked at me like, what are you doing? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a huge letdown and I was so surprised. Um, but that horse, like, yeah, he just changed in that one session. Like all of a sudden that light did something and he was like, okay, what else you got? Hmm. You know? Um, and I came back to see him again, just a couple weeks later. Um, this is, you know, I, like I said, I like to do three and 10. Um, and that was probably our second, or maybe it was our third massage and whatever, there was maybe a week in between my sessions with him. And when I came back, um, the girls were like, he's such a different horse. He's, he's like mm -hmm. actually wanting to engage with us. He whinnies when he sees us walking up and I'm like, that's amazing. Like he was not doing any of those things before. They actually had me look at him because he was struggling to just do his job, which mm -hmm in his case, was just trail rides. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was not keeping up anymore. And he wasn't, you know, seeming as willing as he once did. And yeah, so we just did a little bit of body work on him. And all of a sudden, he's like, I'm a new horse. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's it's, fantastic. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, yeah. and that's, that's 
a huge reason why I do what I do because I want to see the life come back into their eyes. You know, mm-hmm. um, as horse people, I think when we really talk about it, which doesn't happen often, but when we really talk about it, none of us want to see dull horses. None of us want to see horses that no. aren't thriving. None of us want to see horses that are like, I could die tomorrow and I don't care. None of us want to see that. No. You know, and I, it, I can imagine also with with the race horses, for example, there's a lot of money involved in that. So people want the horse to feel good so it it can do a, a good job. Yeah. You know, um, there are some mindset issues out there, um, you know, that come into play with that. So a lot of the racehorse people, um, not all of them, you know, this is just what I've experienced in my small corner of the industry. So um, I know that there are people out there that think differently, just not, not too many near me. <laughs> mm. um, but a lot of the racehorse okay. people that I come into contact with, um, you know, in our industry right now, Michigan's industry has been tanking for a long time um, between government support and just the, you know, especially since COVID, the, um, the entertainment industry is, is just down. So mm-hmm. being that this is an entertainment, um, you know, lots of things have played into it, but we have one racetrack left in Michigan, um, one operating racetrack. So there's not a whole lot of business left. And the people that are left are not super high level. Um, their horses are good, but they're not great. You know, the, these horses are probably, most of them will not travel outside of Michigan to compete. Okay. Uh, now, my family's in business, that's a little bit different. <laughs> my, you know, like I said, my stepdad was one of the best in the, in the nineties. Mm-hmm. So um, for him, he expects a higher caliber horse. He, he doesn't like to work with horses that aren't going to leave the state. <laughs> he wants to develop them and make them amazing. Mm. Um, so he starts with a higher caliber horse and he has a different mindset than the rest of the industry. So, um, our standard bred racehorses, uh, their diets are extremely scientifically planned out. Um, my mother has done extensive nutrition research and has worked with multiple different companies to choose the exact right grain and supplements and all of the things that are going to fuel these horses in the most efficient way. So this means without side effects of ulcers. So feeding things that are going to take care of their guts because they are in a high stress industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said before, they've switched from limited paddock time to full-time paddock time. Mm-hmm. Um, they've switched from living alone to getting a paddock buddy at a young age so that we know that these two horses can stay together as long as they're on the property. Um, you know, trying to do everything we can to create the best living situation for them, mm-hmm. not just the best competitive situation, but well, living situation. Yeah. So many racehorse people are not willing to do that. And it's not just racehorse people. I'll get to that in a second, but there are the rest of them that have the media mediocre horses. They're, um, not necessarily paying for the equine dentist to float their teeth. They're paying for the vet to do it, which is fine. Um, but you will hear me. That is one of my things. No, you need an equine dentist. Our vets are overworked. Our vets are undereducated in specialties because mm-hmm. how could you expect anyone to learn everything there is to know about no. disease and treatment and dental care and how the mouth affects the body. Mm. Um, and same thing with feet. Like you can't expect the vet to know all of these things and even no. muscles, even muscles, they aren't trained in musculature in the same way no. that even people that just have certificates for equine massage do just because they went to veterinary school doesn't mean they know everything. No. Um, and, and that's not to say that we don't appreciate them. We do, but that's just it is allow some other professionals to come in and do the heavy lifting because our vets are like in the U.S. We are, I, I'm assuming it's kind of a worldwide thing. I've seen it's kind of a worldwide thing, but I don't know want to assume about too many other areas, but we are super short-handed in vets and there are not a lot of vets, equine, large animal vets coming out of colleges right now. <laughs> so we really need to allow these other professionals to come in and do some of the work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so these other, you know, these mediocre horses are not getting top of the line care. They're not getting, uh, or, or top of the line food and nutrition. They're not getting top of the line turnout situations a lot of them are still living in stalls 
um, all the time. And so all of that impacts what's going on. And it's a mentality. You know, these people think one, they, they have the mentality of this is the way it's always been done. Mm-hmm. Um, I run into that a lot yeah. um, with all kinds of horse people. <laughs> this is just mm-hmm. the way it is. <laughs> um, and also putting out more money. This belief that if we spend more money on grain or more money on a, a facility where we can actually have more adequate turnout, um, you know, if we spend that money, then we're just losing money and we don't want to, we're trying to make a profit here. We don't want to be paying for every service that we can and all of these good things when we aren't making all this money. When the real argument should be, we need to be spending all of the money on all of these things so that we can have a shot yes. at more money, hmm. you know? Um, and that's, I find that mentality in a lot of different disciplines. Um, there's a lot of people that feel that they shouldn't be spending a bunch of money on a chiropractor, on an equine dentist, on a specific, uh, specific trimmer. So if you are doing barefoot, if your horse needs corrective shoeing, um, if, you know, racehorse, <laughs> racehorse shoer versus Western pleasure shoer, two opposite ends mm. of the spectrum, you know, mm. um, but so many people don't see the value in spending extra money on those things. But I can tell you, if you do that, you will save money on the vet bills. And the other hand, yes, yes. And, and you have a more, mm. you have a bigger shot of actually making money, yeah. you know, of your horse being able to do the job. That's what we spend the money for up front. That's what the maintenance fees are for. So like massage, chiropractic, yes, the equine dentist, yes, a specific shoer. Um, and sometimes other people too, because you know, the the bigger your team, the better chance that your horse has. So that is something else that I preach all the time is that your horse should have a team of professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, so my horse right now, he's, um, retired standard bread. He's been sitting in the pasture for two years. We've had four rides. Um, we went to the horse expo and he was featured there and that was the extent of his travels. But I can tell you, he has a chiropractor. Obviously he has me as a massage therapist. Um, and he also has a equine dentist and a veterinarian, and he is just sitting in a pasture. And why, why would I do all of that? Because in five years, I don't want to have a broken down horse that I'm trying to band-aid together and spending thousands of dollars with band-aids. No. You know, I I stand firmly against band-aid solutions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's a time and a place for them for sure. Um, You know, when we're in an intervention state where it's like, we've come to this problem and we need to take care of it and contain it so that we can start to repair, fine, band-aid it but it's band-aiding with the intention of repair and rehabbing, sometimes rehabbing to start prehabbing, which is my preference, prehab, taking mm. care of it before it becomes a problem, yes. um, that prevention level, you know, but that's the only time a band-aid is, is suitable is when it really truly is a band-aid to cover the wound until it heals, mm. until we can start healing it more, strengthening it with exercises and due diligence, really. You know, um, so often we're like, just throw it in a stall for six months or give it pasture time. It'll go away. I can tell you it's not how that works. Stall rest. uh, I really have a hard time with stall rest. Um, I understand, obviously, that there are going to be some situations that that is the best solution, especially when we're talking about broken bones needing healing. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are very few situations that I personally will (laughs) put my horse in um, that is stall rest because what a lot of the times that we see stall rest, it's for leg injuries, tendons, ligaments. And while that logic makes sense to me, and it does totally depend on the horse and if they're going to be able to maintain a cool head or if they're going to run around like idiots, Mm -hmm. but I feel like they should have at least a small outdoor space um, to be taking more steps than just turning around in their stall Mm -hmm. because it, without blood flow to that area, we can't expect Mm -hmm. it to heal. So, um, and the other thing is, is that when they stand too still, um, and it heals up real strong, then you've got a permanent, um, mobility issue, you know? So to me, uh, anyway, we can keep them moving just a little bit, you know, so better than the, just the straight stall rest, putting them on a, with a stall that has a little, even 10 by 10 outside space. Hmm. So they have to walk 20 feet a day back and forth. That's better than nothing, Hmm. you know? Um, yeah, I agree. But that's, 
it's hard to um it's hard to have those conversations with people because I'm not a vet. I'm not a veterinarian. I was yeah. not trained in that, you know. Um, but at the same time, like that's just my personal, that's how I would think about it. And I would have a serious conversation with my vet about, okay, well, why are we recommending stall rest? And, you know, how close can I get to your recommendation without completely limiting my horse? Mm-hmm. Because sunshine is important and fresh air is important. And yes, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of my clients actually, I, sadly, it is like the beginning of summer here. And uh, I've had several of my clients be like, I got to cancel. We've had an emergency. Um, three, of, three of my horses that I work on um, have all recently gotten to pasture arguments and have been kicked and regulated to stall rest. And it just, oh, it wrecks me. Like, I just mm-hmm. feel so bad for them to have to, to live like that. Um, yeah, you can imagine yourself if if you are going to lie in the bed for for a month (laughs) you will be crazy yeah I mean and that's just it is like even even when I had my foot hurt uh, and I was laying on the couch most days like Mm -hmm. just the couch was hard yeah and I've got a television that I can watch and the internet all at my fingertips and my horse is just dusty on there and complete boredom (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's mentally hard on them and then we wonder you know when we try and bring them back and they're crazy and jumping all over the place and mm. you know and that's the thing too is like a lot of times stall rest is to prevent that type of behavior and that makes sense like we don't want them straining themselves even more however if we completely restrict their visitation time with their friends and their ability to see outside you're setting them up for mm. failure in mm. the sense that on that first day out they are going to run like idiots yes you know, they're, they just are, and they're probably going to dance their way out to that pasture while you're trying to walk with them, (laughs) you know? Um, but we're setting them up for that. And I think that there's some ways that we can think outside the box and just try and create a better situation. And it isn't always possible. You know, these three horses that I'm dealing with right now, they are not all in in, uh, a facility where they have access to what they need. Um, So that is, you know, that is one thing that I am actively working towards is creating that type of facility on my property. Um, That is the rehab part of the well-oiled horse uh, equine massage and rehab. I I really feel like there needs to be a place that they can go that is calm and quiet. So there's not going to be a bunch of youngins running around like Mm. idiots all day that they want to keep up with. Um, But also that caters to their need to move mm-hmm. um so that is something that i'm working towards i'm like fingers crossed i can get it done this summer because i can just the need for it is growing so much but um just to have like a track um not a racetrack but like a paradise paddock paradise if you've heard of that um type of track where they can um roam over different terrains and mm-hmm. Um, just keep moving, move from hay pile to hay pile every day instead of standing yeah. at a hay hut, you know, that kind of track where they get to be in nature and just use their environment and be horses for crying out loud. Mm. You know, that's having a standard bread that is retired from racing and lived that whole life. Um, what I wanted most for him was to be able to enjoy his life. And I don't mean like re- enjoy retirement and live in the pasture until you're done. Like that, it wasn't that it was, I wanted him to never have to be in a stall again because he spent plenty of time in one mm-hmm. and to never have to earn anything. Mm-hmm. I do make him work for treats, but I mean, he doesn't know the difference. He thinks that's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but other than that, he does not need to earn anything he doesn't need to earn his keep he doesn't owe anybody anything he just gets to be a horse and um that also does include me riding sometimes but not because I want to ride him but because he is like yeah I'm down for that let's let's spend some time together you know um and some days he lets me know today is not the day and I'm not feeling it (laughs) that's fine I'm not in a competitive place I want to um probably do endurance with him because he likes to trot and he likes to trot fast. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Hey, we can go trot and trot fast out in the wilderness 
without all of the people and the distractions and have it just be something fun that we do to feel the main, like through the, feel the wind through your main buddy. Like, mm -hmm. I know that's what he, he wants to do. And, uh, if I can give him that, then I'll feel like I succeeded, you know? Yeah. And so I want to be able to help other people do the same thing, whether their horse has been kicked and the vet just says he can't be, you know, out with other horses right now because he can't get away if he wants to, he's just too sore mm. or whether they need a full rehab from a major injury or a surgery, heaven forbid, a surgery. Um, I want to be able to provide that. I want to be able to provide I feel like it's a retirement home community, but it's the retirement yeah. home community that we would all be okay growing up in. Yeah. We can have fun, yeah. but we're just, it's not a stressful environment, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like so many horse environments are stressful and that's so detrimental to them. So you are working to, to have that at your home. Yeah. How, how do you work now? Are you going out to people or they're coming to you? Yeah, I do a lot of driving. <laughs> I do a lot of driving. Okay, yeah. Um, I drive, the farthest I've gone is about two and a half hours. Um, and when I do that, I am like, I need to see at least five horses, guys. Fill my yeah. day. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a long drive. Um, and it makes for long days because sometimes, you know, I look for a session to be about an hour long. Um anything longer than an hour and a half. And I feel like the horses are bored and done with me, mm. you know, um, because the horses that take that long are super uncomfortable when I get started. Yes, of course. So they're uncomfortable when I start, they start to relax. And then they're like, look, you're still working in stuff that doesn't feel good. And I would rather you didn't touch me anymore. And I'm mm. just like, okay, understood. You got it. You know, like, uh, some of the cases that I've had are really sad to me, you know, and, and people don't see what I see. So it's never, um, it's never about shaming anyone. That's for sure. Like when oh. someone calls me and they're like, you know, I, one in particular recently was she actually found me in my Facebook group and she posted pictures of her horse and she's like, the vets have been trying. And for three years, we have no answers as to what's going on. Mm-hmm these, those are the kids. Those are like my, my heart cases. Like mm -hmm. I love the idea of being able to step in and, and try and figure this out and in the very least make the horse more comfortable. Um, but I can tell you that he's going to be more than just more comfortable. He's going to be rideable. <laughs> um, you know, so when that happens, you know, she's got me driving, uh, about an hour and a half out to see her, which is totally fine. That's, that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, when I get out there, and I just evaluate the horse. I'm taking pictures. So I start with pictures before I touch them. I try not to touch them until I take pictures because once my hands touch them, I feel what their muscles feel like. And I just instinctually, my hands start moving. I'm like, ah, <laughs> I'm here to work on you, but let's, let's evaluate you first, you know? Yeah. Um, so we take pictures and, uh, I go through a hands-on evaluation process, um, which I talk about a little bit in my group. So I, I will share that so that people can kind of get more information that way. Um, but we go through an evaluation and I just kind of look at where are they sore? What are their feet look like? Um, feet are huge, right? Because they're the foundation of the mm -hmm. horse. Everything else is built on top of them. So mm -hmm. I do look at feet. Um, and there's very rarely a time that I will look at a horse and not say to the owner, like what's going on with the feet? When's the last time they were trimmed? Um, is this, uh, have they been barefoot long? Uh, you know, is this shoe or new to you? Is this the same cycle? Have you been working to correct something? All of those things play into my analysis of what's going on. Um, because changes in the feet, if you're working with a farrier to do corrective shoeing of any kind, get a massage therapist because the changes in the feet will significantly impact the body. Yes, it will be good in the long run, but in the short term, you just took your horse, especially if you're, if you've got a horse that, um, has had no heels and say you're putting wedges in, you're literally taking them from being flat footed to telling them, here's your high heels. You're wearing them all the time. You will walk, run, skip cartwheel, all the things you will be yeah. doing them in high heels. <laughs> um, and that's hard. If you're a woman yeah. that has worn high heels and yeah. if you're a horse woman that never wears high heels and occasionally has worn high heels, you know what I'm talking about usually like 45 minutes into wearing high heels and you're not doing it all the time. You are dead. <laughs> yeah. You're like, Oh, take me out. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why I don't wear those. <laughs> yes. 
but it's the adjustment in the body. It will be good for them in the long run, but their body needs time to adjust. Mm. So that being said, um, <clears throat> I, you know, I, I look at their feet. I ask all those questions. We go through that. I do the same thing. I usually ask about teeth. When's the last time their teeth been done? Um, I have seen changes happen in an instant just after having the equine dentist out. Their whole body will un unwind. The, the pain in the mouth that we definitely aren't aware of um, absolutely causes insane tension throughout the rest of the body. And just by alleviating that, that pain, I had one horse um, recently. He just grows uh, sharp edges in the left lower molars and those grow fastest for whatever reason in him. Um, and I'm sure that if I knew more about equine dentistry, I could explain more about why, but I haven't gone down that path yet. So anyways, um, he got those teeth taken care of. And so it's like, I, what actually happened? The only reason I know about his teeth situation is because I was out there doing body work. And I said, you know, he's really strange. He's not usually this tight throughout his left side. He's usually, um, you know, we have a few areas. He's a dressage horse. So we've got a few areas in his shoulders and in his hind end that I'm usually um, kind of maintaining with him as he's moving up the dressage levels. Um, but this particular time he was like bent all to the left, like just concave. And I'm like, this is really weird for him. And she says, he's due for the dentist. He does this every time he grows his lower molars mm -hmm. and like, they just start to get sharp and he starts to curve and I call the dentist. And I was like, well, Hey, if you have it down to that kind of science where, you know, what's going on, that's amazing. But yeah. that's why it's so important for people to understand. You may be seeing them being sensitive on one side of their body, but it's all here, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So that's why I usually do recommend getting a massage therapist out first. If you're like, there's so much going on and I don't know what's wrong and who to call, call a massage therapist and they can at least pinpoint where the issues are and give you some options. Mm -hmm. They can look at their feet and be like, well, you got some problems here. They can't fix them for you necessarily, no. but they know what to look for. We, mm -hmm. you know, we are taught red flags. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we go through and we just do an evaluation and, and the pictures and the hands-on evaluation tells me a lot of the story. Um, by the time I have actually worked on a horse and felt all of their muscles, I can tell you, <clears throat> at least in this layer of compensation, right? If it's the first time I'm coming out, then this is just the top layer. This is just what's going on right now, the most recent. Um, I can tell you where it started. I can tell you where the pain originated from and um, what we need to do to fix it and how potential reasons of how it happened. You know, horses are horses. So there are some slips in the paddock. There are some got too excited, kick their heels up too high. You know, there's all of that kind of silly, silly stuff that they do. But there's also more commonly causes like your saddle doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a huge one. Your saddle doesn't fit. Most people are, this is one of those, this is one of those things that people tell me all the time that it just is the way it is that we've done it forever. My saddle fits all the horses I ride. Oh no, no, no. If it's you, if it's you, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it depends on who you talk to, but it might fit you, but it certainly doesn't fit. If you're riding more than one horse, it certainly does not fit them all. There is not a saddle that does that. No. Um, we all had a very, very big misconception taught to us about how easy it is to fit saddles. Um, after going through a certification with a binder like this of information and being given outside books as resources, I can tell you it is way more complicated and your saddle, you will be lucky if it fits the main horse that you ride, mm. let alone any others. Mm -hmm. uh, and the damage, if it doesn't, is substantial, mm. substantial. That horse um, that I used the red light on, 90% of his problem is that he's ridden in a saddle that absolutely does not fit him. Um, that's actually the case for a lot of the horses that I see for the first time, if they've been being ridden, their saddle fit absolutely plays into why I'm seeing them. Um, so yeah, so after, you know, I feel through them and I, I can tell you what's going on. We just kind of talk about when I can come out next. And uh, we talk about how many days in between sessions. Like I said, I like to do three and 10 to start. Um, and between that first session and the second session, I like to put two or three days, just long enough to let them be like, hmm, I don't think my body hurts because it does take that long. If you've ever like sprained an ankle and you've like worn an ankle brace or something, and then you're using crutches to start and then you get rid of the crutches and you still kind of limp a little, but then you're like, oh, 
all right, there's no pain here. And then a few days go by and you start to take the brace off. And then you're like, oh, I don't think I can do this. Oh, you know, throughout the day, you're like, it gets easier to walk because you're realizing it doesn't hurt as much. It's very much like that. We go through this massage process. The body is actually bracing certain areas to protect itself. So by releasing tension, we're like taking off a brace. So we have to let the body kind of adjust and feel what that feels like. Um, and then we come back and we do it again, right? And so when we come back that second time, we're at another layer of compensation. So the story might change a little bit at this point. It depends on when I'm meeting the horse. Sometimes um, the story from the first massage to the third massage is very much the same. And I can say, yep, we're still working in this compensation pattern. This is where we're at. This is what's going on. Um, but a lot of times when it's been happening like this instance with the horse that she called and it's like three years that the vet hasn't figured out what's going on, there are layers, there are layers. And in fact, my before pictures for that horse look significantly better than my afters. And uh, nobody really shares about that, but it does happen. And I can tell you it's because he was bracing so hard to try and just hold himself together that when I released that top layer of tension, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what's going on. You know, in his case, um, he's got a one hip farther forward than the other. So Dutch, his hips are out of alignment. And this is not a call chiropractor out of alignment. They're just muscle tension pulling them out of alignment. And then he's also got one hip lower than the other. And fun just throw that in there he's got a pelvic rotation going on so this whole hind end is just a, a big old knot of things that needs to be unwound um but yeah at the, at the beginning of the session what i can tell you is that he would not put weight on his right hind he literally had to be pulled into that position so that i could take a picture of him standing square mm -hmm. absolutely no pressure on the right hind um he was also standing very much under himself um, so he was camped under. So a lot of times we hear those phrases for um, confirmation and we call them confirmation faults. They're posture, they're postural faults. Just like it would be a human confirmation fault to be born with a hunchback. Most of the hunchbacks we see today, were not born that way. They have posturally changed. Mm -hmm. Their body has literally just changed its musculature and braced to hold itself in this form. That's not normal. That wasn't, that's not confirmation fault. That's posture. If we release the tension, apply some chiropractic work. Um, wow. You can actually stand up again. Right. Same goes for the horse. Um, we just get to unwind that tension. Sometimes we call in a chiropractor. I don't do chiropractic until after the third massage, because I want to have a really good idea of what's going on in this horse's body before we call out a chiropractor. Um, in the case of this particular horse, I think that if we would have called a chiropractor in um, before the end of his three sessions, the chiropractor would be forcing back into place these huge misalignments. Whereas if we're waiting until the third massage, we're letting the body readjust itself. We're letting the tension release. It's a lot more gentle process. And um, that makes the chiropractor's job easier. And for those of you that are like, I've, ha I've had chiropractic on my horse, but I don't do it anymore because they were sore afterwards, right? They were mm -hmm. sore afterwards because the muscles were still tense when he forced the bones back to the proper position. Mm -hmm. So massage before chiropractic, always, always. Sometimes you'll do massage and the chiropractic isn't as necessary. Um, but I work with a chiropractor now. She's taught me a lot of things and there is value to chiropractic by itself. I will just always tell you it's going to be better chiropractic after a massage. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that horse, like now he can, he can move, he can put weight, like just at the end of the first session, he could put weight. He was standing square on his own, no force required. The problem was, is that when he was standing square, then all of a sudden his hips weren't aligned and you know, whatever. But the fact was that he felt comfortable to do that. And we're starting to unwind the body a little bit so that, you know, in in about a week and a half's time, we can take them from being crippled with no explanation to being crippled to standing strong in their body and being able to start rebuilding because he is not good body condition either. As you would imagine, that's a lot of pain and stress that he's been carrying around for three years that no one could understand. Yeah. Um, so he's underweight. He's struggling with ulcers. 
But as we unwind the tension in the exterior of the body, we can start to heal what's going on in the interior and what's going on with him mentally. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no better feeling than relieving the pain of a horse and knowing that they're grateful for it. Like, because it happens, it happens a lot where they, you know, I've got a few that I've worked with like this one that were just super severe. And even through that first session, they're finding a little bit of relief and and literally just turning back and looking at me with their big brown eyes, in most cases, <laughs> brown eyes. Um, and you can just see this expression of gratitude on their face. And then to see them go out into the pasture and move better than they were before, like makes it worth it, makes it worth it to me. It's it's why I do what I do. I mean, I've had my fair share of my own horses that I was not able to serve in that way when I was younger, when I didn't know better. So I do offer myself grace. You know, we all need to do that. I didn't know better. Um, But to be able to now make up for it in, in a sense and help some others is totally worth it. So there's always hope for your hopeless horse, you know, that's, that's my, that's kind of my catchphrase. That's the name of my Facebook group, hope for the hopeless horse. Um, there's a book, there will be a book, (laughs) um, because I just see so many, you know, and there were so many that when I was growing up that we just thought there was no hope for that. We couldn't use them for what we wanted them to be used for. And that meant didn't matter how attached to them we were, but that meant we couldn't feed them if they couldn't do the job. Wow. Right. And I see that. And I mean, it's a hard reality, but it is a reality for so many of us. You know, we can't feed more than what we can use. Uh, And so to be able to allow people to see hope for these horses again, um, and for me just to to be able to help the horse, because there was, like I said, there were so many that I didn't help because I didn't know better. Mm. Um, That's why I do what I do 100%, just 100% to help the horse. That's great. And where can people find you if they want to get in contact with you? Sure. So um, I have a website. It's really easy. It's margaretparsons.com. Um, and I also have, I'm on Facebook. You can totally look me up there as Margaret Parsons. Um, my business has a page there as well, which is the Well-Oiled Horse Equine Massage and Rehab. And the Peace de Resistance um, is my Facebook group. Uh, It is called Hope for the Hopeless Horse, Identify the Root Cause. Um, People can feel free to jump in over there. And I actually offer free markups. So if you have a horse that you just can't seem to figure out, there's just something's not right. And sometimes that is truly all it is, is that you as a horsewoman are like, I know something is wrong, but everyone else is telling me my horse is being naughty, um, that he's just not capable he just doesn't have it in him for genetics or whatever reason mm-hmm. um you know whatever people are telling you but you know it's just it's not your horse being naughty you know there's something else wrong um jump into my facebook group i do free markups so um i assess their posture and how they're standing and that can actually give us a lot of clues as to what's really going on underneath their skin and what could be causing their pain and behavior problems you know it's they aren't being naughty they they don't know no. They don't know how to be naughty. Um, sometimes they know how to be mischievous, <laughs> mm-hmm. but naughty is not, you know, they mostly, they want to please us so freaking much that they will do it to their own detriment. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, jump into my Facebook group, post some pictures. There's a, there's actually a post in there. You'll see it. Um, you'll get notified about it. As soon as you join the group, it'll tell you what pictures to take from what angles and uh, I will get back to you and let you know what I see in your horse and, and what we can do to fix it. That's great. Really great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was very much to take in. Uh, it sounds fantastic. And, and that there are hope for so many horses. That, that is all. So, yeah, fantastic. So thank, thank I, I you. I appreciate the opportunity to, to share it because yeah. people need to know it's an option. They need to know it. Yes, absolutely. So thank you very much for coming here today. It was really a pleasure and very interesting, interesting to hear about. So um, thank you so much. And um, 
for you out there who had listened. Thank you for listening and uh, please um, come again next week. Uh, we are going to have a new one there and you are so welcome. So thank you very much and bye-bye. Thank, bye -bye. 